It's letter time. And it is Thursday, October 14th. And this is, of course, your daily financial news. If you don't know already, on Thursdays, we normally do it about a half hour early. We do that because my expert of the week, Mr. Jonathan Twomley, Mr. Syndicator, uh, needs to have our one-on-one at 7.30 Pacific. So in order to keep the daily financial news rolling, I just get up earlier and we do this earlier together. So again, if you like your daily financial news in little bite-sized chunks, do me a favor. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button. Have other people get their daily news up front. And also, as always, leave comments below. A lot of the daily financial news, I'd love to hear what you think. I am making personal investment decisions based off what is going on, and I would love to hear from you. But before we get started, we got to congratulate Four more people for doing the work, folks. This contest, this 500 contest is rocking and rolling. Well over 200 closed in 19 weeks. I want to congratulate all of you for doing the work. Specifically this morning, Brian. Brian, I think you closed two duplexes, I think you told me. Anyways, Brian, congrats. Yemi, congrats. I think this is like number two for you, I think. I think it's number two. And then Chester, Congratulations for getting your deal done. Again, Brian, Brian, Yemi, and Chester, your cards will go out in the mail this morning. Congratulations on doing the work. Well, when we look at the daily financial news today, it's, uh, I don't know, it's an interesting collection of data points. But first, I want to start with something I read this morning that could be alarming if you don't read the details. I expect a lot of YouTube channels to come out with scary foreclosure headlines. Foreclosure headlines could say something like this. Foreclosures up 67%. For I should say foreclosure starts up 67%. Foreclosure starts up 32% in the quarter. Both of those are technically accurate. However, I believe they are extraordinarily misleading. If you don't know that percentages, when they come off of a very small base, can look crazy. For example, total foreclosure starts in the month of September, 25,209. Now, 25,209 may sound like a lot to you, but... What if I told you in an average month, the average month, say, of 2019, pre all of this nonsense? Hey, guys, what are you doing over there? Lower down here. Uh, eh, whatever. So again, sorry, distracted by my new puppies. Um, what if I told you foreclosure starts in 2019 averaged 40,000? Right, yes. In a normal month, folks, we have 40,000 starts. We just had a big September at 25,209. For the record, that is over 30% below a normal month. So while, yes, it is fair to say foreclosure starts are up 67%, that is year on year, it is fair to say that foreclosure starts are up 32% for the quarter. Both are true, but it's a big fat nothing burger. Uh, the fact is a foreclosure start does not equal a foreclosure. You have workouts. You can sell the property. There are lots of things that could happen. Just because we had 25,209 starts does not mean each of those will end in a foreclosure. 
For the record, I got the two largest states. You guys are getting loud. Two largest states. One is in, or number one is California. Kind of makes sense. The biggest population. Uh, 3,434 starts. That is nothing. And Texas was next, 2,827. Again, foreclosure starts are picking back up. A foreclosure start is not a foreclosure. Uh, there are lots of ways around it. And let's not forget that housing, generally speaking, is up 20%. So even if you got into the home for zero down, like zero down, you are likely up and you likely could sell the property unless there are other circumstances about that property. So again, nothing to be concerned about. Always remember, average month foreclosure starts 40,000. Life happens. Loss of job, divorce, have to move. There's lots of things that can cause foreclosures. And just ordinary life, we get about 40,000 a month. Next up this fine Thursday, we have to talk about the jobless claims. And it finally happened, folks. It finally happened. After seemingly a year and a half, new claims, new unemployment claims finally, finally broke below 300,000. The first time since February of 2020, it was this low. It came in at 293,000, again, below 300,000. That's a, that's a number we were, we were flirting with for months, uh, but we finally got below it. Something else that happened yesterday is the Fed released their minutes, and it is clear that the Fed, or at least a couple of the Fed presidents, are watching this channel. Of course, I joke, but they are now saying what I have been telling you for about a year. Uh, inflation is not transitory. It is now seeping into other parts of the market. For example, gas up 42.1% for the year. Meat, eggs up 10.5% for the year. Restaurants, 4.7. Rent, 2.9. Rent, 2.9. That is why I can confidently say that CPI is going to go up for quite a while. CPI reported yesterday was above 5% for the fourth month in a row. And rent has just started to trickle into CPI. Rent's about 33% of CPI, and rent is just coming in. Rent is over 11%. For the country. So the fact that the their calculations is 2.9 just shows that it's early uh, and it is now coming through. It is earnings week, at least for the big banks. And as far as I'm concerned, they're all a mixed bag. Uh, a lot of them have been using loan loss reversals, which I told you they would when they made these big gnarly numbers. Uh, and you can go back and watch the daily shows. They're all on the channel. I was telling you this was coming seemingly 15 or 18 months ago. Wells Fargo beat top and bottom, but they had a low, they, they, the number's just dirty to me. They had $1.7 billion in loan loss reversals. Bank of America beat top and bottom. They had a $1.1 billion loan loss reversal. Morgan Stanley beat top and bottom. They didn't talk about loan loss reserves, so I didn't find it. I didn't read the detailed one just yet. Uh, but they did talk about record results for investment banking and asset management. Interesting. Domino's Pizza. This one is interesting to me. They missed top line, right? They didn't sell enough pizza. They hit bottom. I was in accounting. I was an accountant for a year and a half, two years. Uh, and you can, you, can, you can move 
numbers around with journal entries and whatnot to hit a number. Uh, so who knows? But here's the key. Domino's Pizza, same store sales, fell 5%. They actually used this phrase that I have never heard and I never thought would come together, but it makes sense. Could the American public have pizza fatigue? That's an interesting thing to think about, especially in the context of the consumer. I've been telling you for a long time that the consumers got... You know, they were doing one form of shopping. They were buying Amazon boxes and delivery. Then they went to the mall, at least based on last quarters. But we are, uh, we are a fickle beast. Once we get ingrained with something, we do want to change it up on occasion. Uh, so it was interesting to see that Domino's Pizza actually said that they are afraid uh, that the American consumer has pizza fatigue. So I have a question for you. When was the last time you ordered or ate a pizza? I thought that'd be an interesting question for my audience. When was the last time you ate a pizza? Leave comments below. For me, I think it was three weeks ago we had some pizza ordered and delivered. So just curious, when was the last time you had pizza? Kind of a crazy question, I know, but hey. Uh, we had CPI reported yesterday, which was hot 5.4%, as I recall. Well, PPI, Producer Price Index, came out today, and it was nasty. It was It was rough. It was 8.6%. It was a record for this calculation that goes back to 2010. Uh, 8.6%. This is this is kind of like up front of um, you know kind of the creation of goods that we ultimately buy. So yes, if that's up, you can count on CPI being up later. Uh, for the record, that that PPI is U.S. based. China uh, released their they call it cost of goods for producers. Same thing thereabouts. Theirs is up 10.7%. Double digits. So again, this is worldwide problem, folks. Inflation is up across the board. Then you add on top of that shipping and gas and energy and wages. Inflation is going to be around for years. At least a year, if not more. It is, it is real. Uh, again, we uh, Delta Airlines. Something I read in Delta's earnings report that I did not read in the morning is they are warning that they are very likely to raise ticket prices. Why? Well, fuel's more expensive. Labor's more expensive. They don't want to eat into their margin. They need to make money. So it looks like, again, companies have... Companies are as confident as I have ever seen in raising prices. Inflation. Inflation. Chinese property developers continue to struggle. I think they have now, you know, more dominoes are falling. There's now up to five or six of them that have missed payments uh, and are asking for help, basically. The Chinese government is going to have to come in, but I don't know if it's too late. Consumer confidence, at least in the U.S., is something you should hold as a business or a government as like the thing. It's why I've been following it for so long. I have to assume that the Chinese consumer confidence is similar, although never studied, never looked. So it's an assumption at best. But here's the deal. If you're going to go buy a property as a Chinese citizen, you have to have some confidence in the future. You have to have some confidence in your future to pay back the loan that you take. I don't know that people are going to have that confidence. There are now millennials in China who are, would be that buyer of that apartment. 
that are now doom scrolling. They are looking at these buildings and looking at other people's horrific financial struggles and going, I don't want to do that. The Chinese consumer, I think, is going to be scared and they're going to get increasingly scared as the Chinese economy crumbles. Uh, I do think a recession in China is very likely. Again, inflation and its causes at its most simple terms and why I have felt really strongly that this is not transitory. Energy, gas, heating, oil, uh, heating costs, right? We've talked about gas all the time. Heating. Uh, a lot of the country uses propane. If you're using propane, you're up 54%. Heating oil. I'm not even sure what heating oil is, but it's up 43%. Natural gas. 30%. Folks, it is going to be a more expensive winter to heat your homes. So again, inflation, rising energy. We do have shortages, uh, both in uh, staples like food and other things. Uh, but also the one that made me obviously very confident in calling inflation not transitory is wages. We are just starting to see this ripple through. Wage inflation hasn't even really got started. It is still something that is coming. So yeah, that's where we're at, folks. Again, you can't beat inflation, but you can use inflation. I've talked about that a lot. Uh, you, the, the interest rate, as we talked with Matt, the mortgage guy yesterday, are up. It's impacting mortgage payments. Still relatively low and still artificially low. Uh, so again, if you want to take advantage of that and you can and you're doing the work, go get that 30-year money, folks. So again, Thank you for the daily show. If you like your little chunks, do me a favor, hit subscribe, like, and remember, uh, what was my question? I had a question earlier, right? Oh yeah, when was the last time you had pizza? Let me know in the comments be below. I'd love to hear from you. Have a great day. Bye.